This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming to you from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Today, we will be continuing a sermon from 1 Kings on the Wisdom of Solomon, part of Pastor Greg's series on Heavenly Authority. And God not only blessed Solomon with wisdom and discernment, but he also blessed the kingdom with wealth and success. This becomes now the golden age of Israel. This is the time of all the building projects. This is the time of the expansion of the kingdom. This is the time when they're safe from their enemies, secured in the promised land, a nation at peace. Let me read from 1 Kings chapter 4. And verse 20, Judah and Israel, and notice we're beginning to hear, as before at the end of David's reign, the two sections being mentioned separately because it's not long before we'll have a civil war in the nation of Israel. Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and rejoicing. They're at peace, they're, they're in prosperity. So Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river, the Euphrates, to the land of the Philistines. They've gone way beyond the Transjordan now, haven't they? They're up to the river Euphrates. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Now Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fatted oxen, 20 oxen from the pastures, and 100 sheep besides deer, gazelle, roebucks, and fatted fowl. So you see how big his court was and how well they were provided for. For he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river from Tifsa, Tifsa is a city on the west bank of the Euphrates, even all the way west to Gaza namely over all the kings on this side of the river. So all those kings on this side of the Euphrates were in submission to Solomon. And he had peace on every side all around him. What a contrast between what we read in Judges and Joshua uh, in 1 Samuel of how they were constantly oppressed by the people around them. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan all the way north, as far as Beersheba all the way south, all the days of Solomon. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And these governors, each man in his month, there's 12 of them from the 12 tribes, provided food for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table. There was no lack in their supply. They also brought barley and straw to the proper place for the horses and steeds, each man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. So as you have this multiplication outside of abundance, of prosperity, of people, of troops, we're told that Solomon on the inside receives wisdom, exceedingly great understanding, and there's a key there at the end of verse 29, largeness of heart. 
Largeness of heart is connected to exceedingly great understanding. The NIV will translate the literal largeness of heart as breadth of understanding, if you have an NIV. And they do that since the heart was sometimes understood as the center of feelings, the will, and sometimes even the intellect. The literal is largeness of heart. If our hearts are closed, our understanding is restricted. If our hearts are closed, our understanding is restricted. Sometimes we say, Lord, I don't understand. I can't comprehend. Sometimes if we read something that's important and we just can't grasp it, even in business, in our jobs, remember that exceeding great understanding, we're told in the scripture, is connected to having a large heart, to having a fair, an open, a still soft, a still alive, a spiritual heart. You know, in our society, we think that sheer mental ability is enough to understand. You could win all types of trophies for intellect. We could have great minds to understand all types of mysteries of science. We're going to see that Solomon was also a scientist. But if the heart is not large, if the spirit is not soft, we are as a blind man groping around trying to see. We use our bodies, we use our minds, but we are made spirit, soul, and body. And if we don't use our spirit, if the heart is not soft, if we're not made spiritually alive by the Holy Spirit, we will not understand why we're here, what we need to do. The macro, the large questions will escape us. We just won't see it. And you say, how can some men and women be so smart, so intelligent, have so many degrees, be so successful and not see Jesus Christ as Lord, not see the validity of this Bible, not understand that there is a creator, to think the fallacy that they came from a bunch of random, billions upon billions of accidents, produced these minds, these bodies, produced our spirits. They think of themselves as computers, forgetting the fact that a computer cannot look out. We have a spirit. We know we exist. We look out. God gives us computers up here, and it's good to train them. He gives us flesh and blood bodies. It's good to train them. But if you don't train the spirit, if the heart is not large and open, we will not grasp the meaning of this world or all the important issues of life. And we could be so smart and miss the king of life, the king of glory. There's a problem when we think that sheer mental ability is enough to understand. We need the spiritual insight. And God gives here Solomon exceeding great understanding and largeness of heart. Verse 30, thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. That's a great line. That is a wonderful scripture. You know, there was a time recently in American history when I was younger that the youth of America was enthralled by Eastern philosophy, by all the deep sayings of Eastern wisdom. And here we have the statement, 
that the wisdom of God that he gives to Solomon was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the East, the Magi, the men of the East. In Daniel chapter 4, much later on, you read in the court of Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 4, verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts of my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon, the wise men of the East, before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the magi, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last, Daniel came before me. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And obviously, Daniel interprets the dream. The spirit of the holy God is so much greater than all the wise men, all the ancient sayings, all the ancient proverbs of the East. The Magi at the time of Jesus, again going now many centuries after Daniel, who are influenced in the court of Babylon by Daniel and by the other wise Jews in the court of Nebuchadnezzar and, in, and then the Persian Empire, show their true wisdom when in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1 we read, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, magi from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Wise men come to worship the king of the Jews. Wise men come to worship Jesus of Nazareth. To think that our people in this nation have been so blessed by the wisdom of Judeo-Christian principles, and yet we take it for granted, just like this nation somehow came together without any ideology that meant anything. And how fast our young people, all our people, will run toward any other philosophy, any other idea, any other imagination of men that sounds good if it's presented with a slick tongue, if you make it sound so difficult to understand that it's up in the ozone layer, people ooh and ah, they pay money to go in and see their gurus, and they miss the fact that right here at home, we have the word of God, the wisdom given to men in the Tanakh and the Old Testament and the New Testament gospel. And they miss the wisdom in Jesus Christ. It says here, he was wise in all the wisdom of Egypt. People are enthralled by the wisdom of Egypt, by the feats of the Egyptians. How did they build those pyramids? And yet God gives greater wisdom to Solomon than the wisdom of Egypt. And yet Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 42, the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment 
with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. No man born in the natural sense could have wisdom greater than Solomon, but one born of a miraculous birth, of a different father, who always was the eternal one, the Messiah, come to earth, becoming one of us. He is one much greater than Solomon, and his wisdom is even greater than the wisdom that the Father gave to Solomon. And how much more will we be condemned if we do not come and run to worship him, for certainly one greater than Solomon is here. I was in college a classics minor. When you had at NYU, if you had a science background, I was a chemistry major, uh, they wanted everyone to be well-rounded. So you could not take a science or a math uh, curriculum as your minor. So you had to take one of the more liberal arts programs. So I was a classics minor, and I saw professors, smart men who were so taken with the wisdom of all these ancient pagan civilizations, the Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Persians. But here the wisdom of God is right before them, and they run after the wisdom of the East and the wisdom of the Egyptians. We are saved only by the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. It's foolishness to man. It is the wisdom of God. Join Pastor Greg on the web for serious Bible study. The address is www.shiarjashub.org.